0: Hey Dad, what's going on? Hey,
1: how's it going, son? I've been looking a lot at AI. Of course, we talked a lot about that on the last podcast. It's advanced even further just since, the, like, almost a, you know, whatever, a week and a half ago that we did the GPT last 4. podcast. Yeah, GPT four is out, and, and it's it's everybody is blown away by
0: it. I try to not be like a the classic tech bro and always hyping things up, and and that's why I sort of on our, our last podcast I started with asking these questions like, is this all hype or? You know what's going on here, but I want to make it clear, though, that and if you heard our earlier podcast, you know this, but that I'm hugely excited about this technology. I just think it's good to have a balance because with these new technology, whether it's the metaverse or Web three and crypto and all these buzzwords, you know, it's it's one thing just to hear people super hyped about it, but it's almost even more interesting to find the nuance within that. Like, what are you know what's actually happening? But yeah, I'm definitely excited, and GPT four is a huge. It's just made me even more excited to be honest
1: so so why don't you describe what you know what's the difference between gpt 3 and GPT4 um, from your perspective
0: yeah yeah sure well GPT3's been around for a while uh, and you know several years and then with GPT 3.5 plus chat GPT there was and that came out in in December of last year uh, or just just at the end of November it, it allowed you to actually communicate in a dialogue with AI before that, I'd use GPT-3 and I'd say write a blog post and it would write the blog post or at least a, right. like an outline back then. But you couldn't follow up and, and ask questions. And that was the huge advancement of chat GPT giving an interface for GPT-3.5 that allowed you to have a discussion and a dialogue. And that allowed me to have incredible creative, new types of creative workflows where I would I would collaborate with the AI and with GPT-4, it's just gotten a lot better at handling more complex prompts, more yes. complex conversations, and it's also gotten a lot better at sounding more human. And um, its ability to see the real world using images as prompts to generate text or code outputs is amazing. The people are using that I know are really like excited by it. They feel it feel
1: like it's another revolutionary step that's happened so quickly. After really, you know, ChatGPT three got out there, so it's it seems to be something that it, this whole AI area. Let's just talk about it in general. Seems to be something that is continuing to be a huge pivot point, huge inflection point for uh, for the tools that hum, you know humanity uses for everything. And I think one of the biggest aspects of that is the the dialogue around what disruption is this going to create in the workforce? What disruption is it going to create in, uh, you know, taking jobs away from human beings? And and I don't think there's any way to avoid looking at the fact that it is definitely going to change things for how human beings work. I mean, I can, I can see it happening already and it's, you know, it's very, very early days for it to have this level of efficiency, this level of, of efficacy, you know? And so, um what what do you, i mean you know, as someone you're you're more in the current workforce you're more out there you know gigging and and doing jobs and uh you know i'm more at you know at at, at in the uh final phases of my career let's put it that way <laughs> um so this right. is part of this intergenerational conversation about you know how does it feel to you uh in reference to the fact that uh, these technologies are changing the nature of how you do your work.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's changed everything about it. But at the same time, using it every day, I run up on, uh, on the limitations of it. And it, it in many ways creates more work. It's like a different type of work. Um, and, you know, ChatGPT4, it is a big advancement, but it, it's it's still the same. You know, we're still in this area of large language models uh, right. It's not quite. We're moving to this, you know, the future where the, we're all trying to get to is this idea of AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, where it's right. kind of matched our human intelligence. And then there's ASI, it's artificial superhuman intelligence. Right. Um, and actually, AI <laughs> researchers are actually really scared about AGI. You know, a lot of people in, in the in the in the artificial intelligence community that I've been following um, are, you know, they're Or cautious. I shouldn't say scared, but sometimes scared, but mostly just cautious. You know, really trying to build, and that's how OpenAI, you know, kind of started. uh, Really thinking about the ethical implications of this, and now they they still have that as their foundation, but they've moved into more of a a for-profit company that's will eventually be capped, and it will transition back to a nonprofit eventually. But it's very much for-profit. Obviously, Microsoft investing in it right now. Uh, or have invested in it, and and built, you know, Microsoft is, is using OpenAI's technology. ChatGPT four is now integrated not only across Bing, but it's going to be integrated across all the Office, the Office suite, whether it's Excel or, or Docs, and then of course Google is going to do the same thing. So it's changing the way everyone's working, for sure. And and for and for me, I guess just because I come at, from it from a creative standpoint. You know, right. as someone, like you mentioned, like I'm I'm doing freelance video production jobs and video editing jobs or just creative work. Um, I've always, I, I think it, I've looked at it through the lens of this is just going to create more jobs for in the creative field. Now, right. I think in the broader scope of things, when it comes to accountants, when it comes to, uh, the, you know, the list goes <laughs> yeah, on. There yes. was a list
1: that where <laughs> bankers were one of the threatened... Uh... Right. Uh, and, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. I'm sorry, any bankers out there. <laughs> but it's we also, love you, bankers. It's Although, also. No, it, we well, don't. We don't. It's also. <laughs> No, no, I take that honest, back. <laughs> it's also it's uh, it's also a I just I want to be. There's got to be good bankers
0: out yeah. there, right? There's got to be of course. Right? There, there's are. Of be a, course yeah.
1: there, there's no generalization you can make about any group of people, but you know, bankers have you know, just like lawyers, bankers have uh, are somewhat maligned uh, in culture. But uh, there's well, look also look at this a, recent this recent bank failure. I mean, which which is yeah. the, the subject of our last podcast. And that's what we're doing this oh, one for. Ah, we talked about it in person on the phone. In a phone call. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I'm literally I'm literally confusing conversations I have with you as my son with conversations <laughs> I have with you on a podcast. <laughs> so, yes, we should we should we should definitely dive into the fact that there's been this huge tech bank failure, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank that, you know, Silicon Valley Bank is more associated with the tech industry. Uh, and there's been a lot of speculation around what this is, a lot of misnomers that have gotten out there, a lot of, you know, oh, my God, this is going to be a systemic failure in the banking system. Then, oh, no, it's not. Now, this weekend it's sort of back to, well, maybe there is a real problem. I mean, there's been, you know, in literally this small amount of time since we we did our last podcast, there's been a huge amount of, of uh, fluctuation in the dialogue around yes, yes. this. this, this and, and much of it has been around, oh, the, the tech Tech stocks, this, this, you know, the tech companies that were being supported by this bank are the reason for this, and so tech was very involved in the conversation. Of course, now it looks like that's not the case. Um, It really was more about the fact that they were, you know, putting everything into ten-year T-bonds, you know,
0: and things like that. Treasuries, and and, and and the Fed sold them, sold banks. That and then now yeah. and then raised rates. You know, they, they they said, "Oh, go ahead buy all the," and yeah. then raised rates right after it.
1: Exactly. So many, you know, banks literally investing their money in the most traditional kind of you know established type of investments with with bonds and and that kind of. They got screwed by the uh by you know by the raising of interest rates by the Fed, and so it was really the inflationary um, cycle that is bitten them in the ass. And, uh, you know, and And, so, you know, there's but there's still a lot of misnomers are out there that, you know, first it was, oh, the reason this bank failed was because of crypto, you know, it was because it was investing a lot in crypto companies. Everyone's trying to
0: blame someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there is actually some blame somewhere because, uh, you know, the the fact that this bank was five days before it failed on Forbes list of the top five banks in the country, um, you know, and then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it didn't make it yeah. well, look we very should, good.
0: Yeah, we, we should get it. I, and I want to finish my my point on on the yeah. AI jobs. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and 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 you know, and also because obviously we're not experts in banking, uh, no, Necessarily, no. but this exactly. has huge impacts for the tech industry. There's some people right now speculating on Twitter, doing these uh, like million dollar bets that the whole. Economy is going to experience hyperinflation and all this stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, right. and and that that is kind of interesting in, in the sense of you know us becoming a digital economy because because all the you know the, the, those those voices are saying uh, that you know Bitcoin is going to become the the global safe haven, um, which would which would be again. Interesting. And that, and that has implications for the metaverse and all this. But yeah, yeah. I mean, go, to take it back to yeah. the
1: metaverse and then you can go back to your, you know, sure. my question about jobs and how you feel about, you know, the work being part of the workforce in this new AI, AI era. Uh, you know, our show is called What the F is the Metaverse? So because we've always been skeptical about the metaverse, we've all I mean, it's in the title. Yeah. Uh, and the truth is the word metaverse is now almost a bad word. It's and in the business arena, it's become a, a very bad word. I was actually in a a meeting, a very high end meeting at a, a very a Fortune 500 company uh, about a project that was in, that's involving AI storytelling, and that uh, person from the Fortune 500 company that shall go nameless said, "Oh yeah, we're not allowed to mention the term metaverse anymore." Um, now there was an yeah. aspect. And we of called it that, this. We called this yeah. on several podcasts ago. Yeah, we, we exactly. Called this, yeah. So, so you know, it's it's almost a bad word in the investing community now and all that. Where it was, you know, after Zuckerberg first came out and talked about it, it was the hyped concept that all this money was going to, and suddenly uh, it's not a good word. And the truth is, I think we have to take a more measured, even middle of the road approach. Which is, look, the metaverse as representing this sort of the digital interaction of human beings in a new way, uh, obviously being fueled a lot by AI and the advancement of AI at the center of it, is still something that is developing. And so we could still reference it as the metaverse, because it literally is a term that can mean so many different things. And we're going to talk about the plasticity of that meaning as we continue our conversation. So let's just say that many of the things we're talking about are still, in our minds, Referencing this idea of you know digital virtual interaction in the context of the metaverse, even the way the bank failed, the bank failed because of in many ways because of tweets that started a run on the bank, and those tweets were from major you know sort of influencers out there in the financial world that said, "Hey, get your money out of this bank." I mean, they started a run on this on on this bank, so you know that in a way is showing how the metaverse is reaching into these. All these different areas of life, including the area of banking and how a bank run would start. I, I was listening to a uh, you know a podcast about bank runs in the past and how you know they took weeks to happen uh, in the past because it would get out there by word of mouth, then it would be in the newspaper, and then it might be on the radio, and eventually in the TV era, there could be TV uh You know, reporting on it, but it was you know th- these things took a long time. This run literally took a day because of the nature of these quote unquote metaverse connectivity between everyone as referenced by social media and people getting on platforms like Twitter and causing a bank run so in a way, this metaverse thing is incredibly affecting many things in uh in our lives, including and let 's go back to the workforce kind you know question this idea of what it's going to mean to be uh, a skilled worker uh, in the context of AI. How do you feel about that? Are you scared by that? Is it something that uh, no, I know you no. said, I mean, you, you yeah. said you're excited by it, of course, but is there aspects of it that are scary for you? Um,
0: no, no, it seems it's, it's, it's kind of the new, it's just technology. It's an evolution of technology and it's, it's, you know, a huge leap um, right. in how we use technology. It only has accelerated my creativity um and and it, it's it's really hard for and and as i was kind of saying it's hard in many it's different in many other industries there's so many different use cases for ai uh but i can speak towards you know the creative use cases and creative production it's it fits perfectly because it it hallucinates by nature in these early in these early versions of it but i think that's something i want i kind of was trying to trying to make clear on our last podcast when I was kind of questioning the hype around it was that, you know, because there is a lot of hype around it it and it is also very early technology. Yes. It's a huge ground. It's a, it's a breakthrough and it's completely changed my life and the way that I use computers. And that is a huge breakthrough. And that's being talked about a lot. This is just the beginning of the AI era it's very democratized
1: yeah. right from the beginning i mean i know that you kind of have to be on a beta list to get into some of these trials and all that but but it seems to be something that's you know kind of like more readily available to everyone at, right off the bat than any other technology in the history of human guide really i mean it, yeah, you know yeah. it, it and that's kind of an amazing thing if you think about it that's just it, that alone is an amazing fact that suddenly anyone could really be utilizing AI, uh, you know, through their browser, through through Google, through the connection to OpenAI, of course, which is the company that's putting out uh, uh, the majority of these uh, of these spoken about uh, technology advancements. So it's you know they're and they're an open source um, technology by and large. And so well, actually, you know,
0: they've brought it. They they've just brought it in. They've they've kind of closed a lot of that down. You know, they they they've recently said oh, really? that it was it was oh. a mistake that they were building in public. Um and they they are actually one of the more closed AI companies at this well, point. Well so, is... so
1: do you think that's because of capitalistic um yeah. imperative? Do you think that they that because they wanna they wanna rule the world by making more money than God? Is that, is uh, that what I,
0: I think Sam Altman, the the CEO of of OpenAI, actually does have ethics at the core of, of what he's doing. Um, from what I've heard and, and he, the, the, the opening, I still has that as the core, but in their progress building machine learning mo- models, you know, large language models, they found that it's all might be even more dangerous to have this stuff in the open initially. Um, mm. you know, and, and if you, if you just let everyone have like, for example, GP, GPT four has actually been around for months. They've yeah. had it for months yeah. They've been refining it. They've been making sure it's it's actually safe to use, um, and right, right. and and so in some sense, it can actually be dangerous to build it completely in public. And it is definitely some profit motive going on there. Of course, I mean a lot of people criticize yeah. OpenAI for for starting as this nonprofit, and then they've kind of transitioned into this for profit. Well, it's kind and, of it's kind of
1: like realizing, oh my God, the the tool we're creating here literally could become the most profitable thing uh, in the new era. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, when that when that starts to you know obviously the money starts to swirl and all of the the factors that in you know in in a capitalist society which is where we're in we're in a capitalist world really that uh, those aspects are going to take take uh, precedent. That's a big question as well when there is truly almost nothing more than profit motive in the context of AI, that's scary to me. Because if there isn't other values connected to the use of AI beyond profit motive, it can go the route many other very damaging technologies have gone except at an even deeper level. Uh, so I have to know, you know, and of course, coming from my generation, many of the stories about AI that I grew up with are cautionary tales, you know, are basically, uh, you know, one of the first ones for me, of course, when I was seven years old and saw 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Hal 9000, the computer in 2001 has a psychotic break. (laughs) And that's the main sort of uh, aspect of the second act and, and moving into the third act of the film. Um, and it's, you know, historically, that's become kind of, you know, a, a bellwether for how people think about AI. And then, of course, there's Skynet in the Terminator films, which is a, an AI that becomes so powerful that it just wants to eradicate humankind with uh, with kill robots. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's a little extreme, um, I think. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, that's why OpenAI started the way they did, you know, yeah. researching this um, from from a place of... Of how do we keep this safe and and the 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 company that Google just invested in, w- which was created by some ex OpenAI employees that left OpenAI, uh, it's called Anthropic, and Anthropic is very focused on harm. Their their whole thing is harmless AI. Right. So it's similar right. to OpenAI's mission. OpenAI said that if anyone in the world gets two years away from getting to AGI, you know, which is this yeah. kind of. Very powerful. The the most powerful. You know, not the most, but at the, it's at all, the same it's as human a intelligence. Mythic,
1: it's almost a mythical idea, though. I mean, I. But think if,
0: well, no, it's. It, 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 but at the same time, it's within the next ten years we could get there. And, and OpenAI saying yeah. if anyone gets two years to getting to that, they're going to drop whatever they're doing and help them do it in a responsible way, right? Which is interesting. Uh, so OpenAI still has this sort of it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see, it'll, to it'll be interesting
1: to see. If that aspect, as it as an imperative, maintains primacy, as a trillion trillions of dollars enter the equation for this thing, because it yeah. literally changes every sector of human life, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. And and for anyone who's gone in and tested it out and felt, oh, this is you know, this is just isn't quite you know there yet. I understand, like there is a lot of hype around this and we're very far away from AGI. What we have now is very limited compared to what AGI will be.
1: And I think it's really important for people to understand that we're not, this is not that. And, you know, there's been uh, a lot of news reports we talked a lot about in the last uh, podcast about people, you know, prompting this AI to say really sort of uh, dramatic and disturbing things. And, And it's still just, you know, doing kind of a recombinant thing on this large language model. Uh, it's still coming from us. It's coming from the corpus of knowledge that's out there uh, in the internet, in the digital sphere uh, that comes from us. It's not, you know, coming up with anything on its own, you know, and, and, well, and so- of.
0: It's interesting that, well, how it, yes, yes, also, it, but it also is, because it, it looked at every, all, all the data that's available uh, from what it was trained on, which a lot of it just comes from the internet- and but it looks at that training data and then learns patterns and then patterns, from yeah. that it does create stuff on its own it, it, that's what's actually amazing about it it creates original content these chat GPT and these AI tools, it's creating original content, but it's informed and inspired by humanity.
1: So that's what I'm saying. It's always, you know, that's why I like to call AI, not artificial intelligence, but augmented intelligence. It's like coming from us or even extended intelligence where, you know, the idea that it's not coming from, that's artificial outside of humanness is kind of a misnomer to me. And, and look, it may get to where That's the case where it actually is almost an alien intelligence. I don't think it's there yet. I don't think that that's what no, no, the large language that's not what the large language model a whole you know sort of metric is about. It's it's not alien to us, and I think the scary thing is the idea that. What if it was completely alien to what humanness is? What, and then that begs the question: What does it mean to be human? So when we talk about what the F is the metaverse, we actually get all the way to the question of what the F does it mean to be human. That's actually sort of the idea of how you know how to talk about these uh, large digital interactive you know interactions that happen now. Is it does it change the very nature? Of being human, does it change human nature? Does it uh, amplify certain aspects of human nature, and does it uh, uh, diminish others? Uh, can it be guided in a way to, um, you know, amplify the better angels of our nature? As I've always said before, you know, not the reptilian brainstem theater. That's my, you know, that's my my uh, favorite term about this. It's like, and and it's I think so important for us to, as storytellers, as people talking about this. And telling the story of AI as it enters our culture, as the metaverse fueled by AI touches everything, what does it mean? I mean, just like, what does it mean to create and open a bank in this new era? And when literally a couple tweets can change the nature of how your bank is perceived instantly, maybe for good reason as well. I'm not saying it's these were cavalier, uh, you know, but it wasn't a cavalier thing that 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 these tweets came out of. It was something that was actually systemic in the bank structure and their liquidity system, you know, situation. But these are the questions that constantly, I think, have to be asked, and I don't see those questions being asked more than the 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 onward flow or the 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 push to get this to become more and more and more powerful. And if we don't. Balance that with the questions. I think that that's where the danger lies. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, and, and this is this is why a lot of AI researchers are are worried about AGI, and most people are just worried about AGI, which which yeah. means when, it, when it when it gets to the level that it's like a human, um, when it's it's actually human intelligence, and then who knows what ASI will you know artificial superhuman intelligence. Who, who right. even knows what that'll be? And also, there's debate on if you know how we're going to get to AGI, but we're pretty sure that it's going to happen within the next few ever, you know the next few decades. Next, yeah, it, it, but it could be a lot sooner, that's the thing. I mean, it could be a lot. I sooner. think we're on
1: an, I think we're on an acceleration, I mean I, you know yeah me too I, I, I think that it could happen much sooner because we're on a kind of exponential rise in the power of this technology, and the fact that more and more and more people are using it, it creates a larger model for it to learn from you know so it's the more it's used the more it learns and it it's a it's a kind of its own self-fulfilling prophecy in a way you know it's it's a really interesting dynamic with you know human interaction and how ai affects human interaction what's it's a you know classic chicken and the egg uh discussion around that you know does it will will uh you know nefarious uses of ai come from the interaction will come inherently from the structure of the code itself uh you know these are all questions that have been uh explored in science fiction literature and science fiction films uh, more literature really i mean they've explored them you know very deeply uh you know i mean the work of phil k dick really explores this stuff all the way to the idea of us creating Uh, and, And kind of connecting through technology with our own idea of God. You know, the idea that what we're doing is actually creating a version of God in our own image. Um, it's kind of the reverse of God created you know, us in his image. It's the reverse of that. It, you know, AI is you know, us creating God in our own image. But what part of our own image are we amplifying there? That's the big question. When, when ASI, when, you know, superhuman intelligence happens, will it have God-like understanding or will it just understand something from an alien perspective? It's, these are all the questions that have to be continually asked and explored, I think, as this thing comes in.
0: Well, you know? I think each, each you know, AI, there is no just one AI too right now, which is interesting because I think a lot of people talk about it as like, oh, the AI, and it's yeah, like you have exactly. used AI, but really there's so many different, whether it's Anthropic, whether it's OpenAI's chat GPT and GPT series with yes. GPT-3 and GPT-4, or if it's, uh, you know, mid-journey or state, you know, which is... It was stable diffusion. Uh,
1: those are generative AI. They're they're yeah, generating individual exactly. visual, they're all different. Know, visual um, designs from uh, these are all different perspectives. Uh, and they're know, all trained, aspects trained differently. Aspects of the and, tool. And, yeah. Yeah,
0: and they're, and they're trained differently. So the way that Anthropic's assistant which is called Claude um, Claude is going to react differently than ChatGPT is going to react and they're going to have different biases and they're going to have different uh, and, and, and so it, it's very, it's, it's interesting to see all of these emerging at once, like, will it, will there be like a, a shelling point, uh, you know, an average that it'll all kind of meet at, I, you know, I, I, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to get a lot better than they are now in kind of moderating themselves. And, you know, that's, that's the work that's being done right now is like, how do we create, how do, how do we create AI that's safe? That's that's not going to do any harm to anyone, um, and you know, and, and yeah. honestly, that's that's a big issue with with, with AI. I mean, obviously,
1: um, obviously, self driving cars are a form of AI. You know, we've talked yes, about that yes. before, and and you know, the idea about creating harm through something like that, even though statistically, it's looking like you know, a self driving car system will be much much safer than humans out there just driving their cars. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, we yeah. live with. This is a really big, uh, you know, thing to talk about. We live with a technology, the internal combustion engine, and, you know, private uh, mobilization through uh, private car ownership and all that, having created an almost apocalypse of death over the years um, in yeah. the context of affecting humankind. And we, we accept that. We just accept it as... Just a part of the the price we pay for a modern civilization of mobility. Um, Yeah, it's like forty
0: about forty thousand every year, just in the U.S. and worldwide, it's over one million, uh, which are just car-related car accident deaths. Yeah, and ninety percent of those are human error.
1: Exactly. So you know, hopefully, the idea of AI moving into automated cars, self-driving cars, is going to help that. That's a perfect example of you know the idea that that will become much safer because of ai and i think that all the all the data even though there's these you know very um you know highly publicized stories of of cars driving in the side of trucks and, <laughs> and killing people uh in the automated car world um that those are the outliers and that you're going to have some of that in, in order to train the ai and get the self driving cars to work better but by and large, we're going to have a much safer transportation system because of artificial intelligence, and and probably that's going to affect even aviation. I mean, you know, the the, the amount of crashes that happen because of pilot error, um, you know, are you know probably much greater percentage-wise than the, the any other aspect. Although the whole MCAS system thing that happened with the 737 Max. That was an example of a kind of version of AI going wrong, going wrong because the corporation Boeing didn't train their pilots on it and hid it from the FAA because they didn't want to deal with the costs associated with the fact that they were using a new system. Because well, and, of, and
0: this is when AI—I mean, I think that was just a computer software. You know, that 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 wasn't quite to the level where it was making its own decisions. Um, so I think it's important to distinguish AI. From just like, you know, computer software, but it's yeah, no, it was it, that
1: it was automating a certain part of the flight, and that right. automation yeah. drove them into the ground. <laughs> and yeah, the, yeah. because the pilots didn't know what that automated part of the software was doing because they were kept from that because of business concerns. But if it was um, AI, you know, but, but if it was
0: AI powered, maybe it could be self aware enough to know that the pilots aren't able to learn it and it could actually be a little bit better at but i but we would hope you know to your point though there's a lot of right you hope but but there's a lot of to your point though there's even people debating right now like should we have driverless cars on the roads you know what tesla is doing with rolling out uh, you know the driverless software. You know this this full self driving is what they're marketing it as, even though it's actually not full self driving because you have to be in, in practice. It's not because you have to be very aware while you're doing it. Yeah. And things can go wrong. And so you know, there's a lot of debate right now. Like, is this actually something we want on our roads? Like as a test case, you know. And and it can if you look at the videos of of people testing this out, it is kind of sometimes unnerving seeing the ai how it'll it'll be indecisive it'll try to it'll you'll see the the path planner on the road like just flickering around and it, yeah, it'll yeah. see a, a a human and then it'll react in a certain way it'll do like an abrupt stop and sometimes you just don't know why and right, right. and you're like wait why did it do that why did it decide to accelerate at one point but it didn't accelerate at another point yeah, and so <laughs> I think it. it, it we, and, and a lot of times, even the AI researchers don't even know. And so it, it's it's trying. It's and, and of course they're they're getting better at kind of building systems to, for the AI to explain itself. Right. Um, right. And right, that's right, going right. to be this this big, you know, advancement where we, we actually have the we can have the AI explain why it's doing what it's doing. Yes. Um, and and right now it's very randomized. I mean that's the, that's the issue with Chat GPT being integrated into products like Microsoft's Bing is because even to this day Bing will just give you facts that aren't real because um, right, right. because it, it makes things up and each time there's not there's not a consistent result it, a their current large language models have a really hard time with consistency and facts yeah and and you know and so it's, it's interesting but of course now Microsoft's getting a lot better they they're they claim they're going to kind of make it so it is telling the truth all the time they're trying to improving it you know and and, you know that that might happen quickly it might quickly get to the point where they're improving it Um, but what's interesting for me is that in the creative field there's something called the context window yeah and that is a certain wind it's almost like the short-term memory of ai and what's cool is that you can use this to input data that it will remember and so that's why it it it's hard for a use case such as search where you're trying to search the entire internet. But for a creative producer, if I want to say take a news article, put that into uh, the context window, it will remember that news article. And then it can rewrite that news article into something completely different. Like let's say a summary, but a summary, you know, like a one minute summary in a really engaging way yeah. that could be turned into like a TikTok. And then, of course, you have to make sure to reference back and cite your sources, and you have to do it ethically. But uh, 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 um, yeah, it's it, you can use the context window. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That's one of the things I'm dealing with with this this group um, that uh, I've been drawn into to, to create uh, a demo of of true interactive story utilizing AI. Uh, and there's some pretty amazing companies. I'm not going to you know disclose that yet because it's it's still kind of a stealth. A stealthy project, but uh, it is these are the things we're talking about, how do you create moment to moment context in the in the interaction between participants. uh, In a virtual world say that has a story going on or just interaction with two characters uh, that are depicting a story and how does the Ai inform the context of what they're interested in, the the participants, in every given moment. So uh, something I've been working on that I call narrative magnets, which is being able to draw people to certain kinds of narrative tropes, genre tropes, style forms, uh, maison scene uh, forms that are related to story. And, And it is this idea of creating kind of moment to moment context that I think is gonna be one of the next things that AI really needs to look at because you can't just have this sort of static reference to a static context of human interaction. It has to be something that changes almost on a moment to moment basis. Um, and especially when you want to tell, you know, have an interactive story that people can literally interact with and their interaction shifts the nature of the story itself and where it's going. Yeah, that was what was um, so powerful being...
0: about ChatGPT is that it could remember your conversation and it could have a conversation with you. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And that remembrance, the idea of memory becomes really critical to to what knowledge is. I mean, you, you can't have knowledge in the long-term sense or the short-term sense without the concept of memory being really expressed in kind of very nuanced ways, um, which, you know, these are all the things that show up that... Deep challenges they're going to be to achieve uh, AGI, you know, which because we as as humans have all of these different nuances going on in our in our you know in intelligence and knowledge systems, and that the, as you got, dive into that rabbit hole, it gets deeper and deeper, and the nuances get more and more subtle, you know, and and yet can affect the outcome tremendously, you know, even the subtlest of things. So uh you know the the challenges are are really great and you know this this you know, brings up a uh thing I read recently about how new inventions come into the world and how often we don't have uh you know a window of seeing what this invention would be um there was an article in the New York Times about a man um I think his name was Merrick I can't remember I may be misquoting his name uh he was a very famous inventor he died quite a while ago but uh and he was you know revered as an inventor but unfortunately he also invented two of the most damaging things in human history not knowing that when he was inventing them and he was lauded for the inventions he created uh he 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 came up with leaded gasoline which at the time was the only way that you could have an engine not knock when it was being accelerated it was called no, you know no knock and they created this concept of ethyl gasoline which is leaded gasoline and that changed the nature of uh, the internal combustion engine of the adoption of the automobile and without Leaded gasoline; the automobile would not have been mass adopted in the way it, it was. Um, Maybe may people look at Henry Ford as the reason for the mass adoption, but actually, leaded gasoline was the other, you know, side of that coin. He also came up with chlorofluorocarbons for <laughs> for refrigeration, and uh, you know, and these are both things now looked at as tr- had, having tremendously affected negatively our environment. Um, and at the time, it was something that was, you know, something looked at as a complete boon to progress, to modernization. Uh, you know, we're just talking, just now, uh, scientists are saying that within the next decade, the the hole in the ozone that was created by hydro hydrochlorocarbons would close, you know, and so it's just now starting to be something that's been addressed by not using, uh, chloro, fluorocarbons. Uh, right. So, I think yeah, it took a lot of
0: work to get there.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So here's this, you know, inventor and he's, he's a brilliant guy and he's, he's trying to do things, you know, for the, right reasons and yes he was also doing it for capitalistic reasons as well but you know he was a a really tremendous person just like a lot of the people in the ai world are tremendously interesting talented people and yet they create something that without knowing it's what you know what you could call the horizon factor we can't see past that far horizon knowing what this thing is going to do and of how it's going to affect us and with ai i mean it could be way more devastating than even something like leaded gasoline or chlorofluorocarbons, you know. So, So it's, you know, because it's dealing with the nature of human interaction at its core sense. It's dealing with what the concept of work is. It's dealing with what the concept of creativity is. All these things that are at the center of what being human is all about. And so I just think, is there any way for us to know these things? There isn't. It's really... Daunting when you start to look at AI from that lens, from that perspective. When I was reading that that article, I I jumped in my mind to these you know these inventions, these this project uh, progress that's being happening right now, and just going, what are we creating? What is happening here? Of course, that's the Frankenstein myth. That's you know it's it's told in many different stories through history. And uh, it, these are questions we need to continue to look at very deeply.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's why Google has been sitting on AI technology for years, and they haven't released it. I mean, they've had an even more powerful version of what OpenAI's AI's created. Uh, and, and actually, <laughs> Google created the T in ChatGPT. Um, Google created transformer technology. You know, uh, G- right. GPT stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer. Right, um, right, and and the transformer was invented by Google, and Google's had a model called Palm. They've had several other models that have outperformed uh, the GPT series from OpenAI, but they haven't released it. And and for all mm. the reasons that you're talking about, you know that they've they they've seen how technologies in the past have you know have gone wrong but they've also they also know the potential of of this one and you know to your point it could have huge implications i mean not only just for the digital world but for the physical world as well like what what happens when we start connecting ai to cars what happens when ai is able to use a computer and is able to just buy things for you or you know or you know to do even worse things like have access to military uh Use cases and systems like there could be a lot of a lot of that's problems. The Sky, that's that's why, the
1: Skynet. That's the Skynet worry. You know, right, you right. And you, you know. know,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's why Google has been so cautious about this, and even still to this day has not really released anything. They've just been talking about it, but they're feeling pressure now because of OpenAI. Because OpenAI just decided to, uh, you know, get this get get it done in an ethical way, but also they decided to release it and. Um, you know, and that, and, and that's been, had a huge impact. Um, and, and there's already negative impacts, you know, the the spam (laughs) that has been, you know, there's, there's huge impacts.
1: AI generated spam and chat, chat bots and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, And
0: stealing artists with the generative image technology, kind of ripping off artists work. And it's an interesting time because it's like, how do we balance, how, how do we balance these two things? We really just have to do it in a very careful way. Um, yeah, and, it, and I think yeah. you know,
1: it's we're both in the creative fields. I, I could say, you know, having, you know, learned and created a whole expertise in my life around film directing and media creation and utilizing and innovating media technologies. Uh, you know, it's changed this. A, I think, has changed everything about the direction I'm going in for the for this quote unquote last phase of my career. <laughs> and you at the beginning of yours. Uh, You know, it must feel like a complete, you know, just this vast landscape of opportunity that is coming around and yet changing the nature of all the things that would have gone before. I mean, you know, reading about how creative process would work in in, whether it be literature or other, you know, courses people could take or whatever. All of that's becoming kind of obsolete right now. Yeah. Um, the, uh, The way in which... I made films is becoming I think is becoming obsolete now. I'm I'm a you know person that's very into this stuff, so I'm I'm pushing it far and I'm trying to come up with new ways of using generative AI technology and new ways of telling stories and being part of interactive story projects and things that are really playing with these edges because it's fascinating to me and I've always been associated with that because of the stories I've told, but it's you know this this era is really really changing and disrupting things and I think the way to make it positive is to lean into the opportunities to look at what are the positive opportunities in that. As opposed to obsessing with the negative aspects now that said, you know, a lot of aspects of economic determinism are going to be changed by AI and and this going back to our workforce question, you know, and there is no doubt that you're going to need to learn new ways certain 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 you know expertises certain careers are going to be changed invariably by this technology and yeah, or, it, eliminated. It, exactly, or eliminated exactly or eliminate and 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 that's you know sort of the most extreme example and of course this has happened throughout history with technology. Throughout all of recorded history, technology has changed the nature of human work, changed the nature of how people, you know, live and make a living, um, you know, so now we're in going into a radically disruptive phase of that, which is accelerating more rapidly than any other phase. This is accelerating much more rapidly than the Industrial Revolution did, um, you know, and so those are the big questions that really when we talk about what the f is the metaverse the metaverse is just this other way of being this is one of the you know ways we could talk about it at least on this this episode of the podcast (laughs) it'll change with every episode basically but it's this other way of this other way of being that's reaching out towards us and we're reaching out towards it and how we interact as humans and how we create and how we work and how we make a living all of those things are showing uh, in the strum and drang of what's going on around this metaverse concept, which now is a bad word, uh, you know, for at least. world, well, you just, time yeah, game. the digital
0: world, you know, and who yeah. knows if we'll even talk about, you know, the metaverse as a world in future podcasts, even, you know, yeah. we'll keep the title the same, but yeah, we're just exactly. talking about the digital world and, and what it means. And, and what's interesting is like all of these things exactly. we're talking about is the transition from atoms to bits and yeah. how the yeah. kind of the digitization of everything Um, And and now it's literally come down to consciousness and creativity and humanity is now being digitized and replicated uh, through. And of course, we're not there yet. We're not at AGI yet. But it's these these large language models are kind of a first step towards digitizing consciousness, which is wild wild to think about. But then also, of course, you know, digitizing money. This is all part of these trends, you know, with Bitcoin. Um, yeah. and and you know and obviously, in on this podcast, we've talked about both the pros and the cons of cryptocurrency We, we want to be very even keeled and and kind of look everything through a through a, a very balanced lens um, yeah. but i I think we're both very excited about the potential of these of these new technologies and i'm curious what you think about this narrative that now the entire banking industry is sort of going to become irrelevant. Or sort of kind of collapse um, and 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 fold into digital currencies. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of people on of yeah. A lot yeah. Of... Specifically, uh, Balaji, who is who is a you know he's a billionaire, um, and he, he he worked at Coinbase. He actually talked about the Lawnmower Man. Oh, really. Really? yeah yeah uh, he, he went on a podcast Biology said that mark zuckerberg has lawnmower man level power <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, on a podcast <laughs> and hilarious. uh you know it, it, it's in it, lawnmower if, if you know lawnmower, if for anyone who doesn't know my dad directed lawnmower man this movie in the 90s and lawnmower man you know kind of uploaded himself well spoiler alert here yeah. spoilers <laughs> but he at the end of the movie he uploads himself into the digital world um and almost kind of becomes an AI now that I think of it. No, it it's all about AI. But but Balaji is, is kind of leading this charge recently uh, with this kind of wild seems kind of almost unhinged. He's saying that in the next ninety days we're going to experience hyperinflation uh, because of what the because of our current the banking crisis what started you know in two thousand eight um, but is only built up since then the way the Federal Reserve is printing money the way the Federal Reserve kind of surprised banks uh, by raising the rates after selling them these bonds, and um, and 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 also you know playing into this idea that you know Bitcoin was created in response to the 2008 crisis, and that that was literally right. why Bitcoin was created and, right, and, and right. released by an anonymous person. Uh, who who said this is, you know, we need something, we need a, we need money that's digital, that doesn't have any counterparty risk.
1: Describe counterparty risk, describe counterparty risk for people that so, don't understand that.
0: Yeah, sure. So basically when you have a United States dollar, you're trusting that the Federal Reserve is not going to print an infinite amount of money and devalue the dollar. But actually what we've seen over the years is that the dollar has been devalued. And we've seen with inflation right now, what you're able to spend with the dollar is less and less and you're trusting the Federal Reserve. Now with Bitcoin, there, it's, uh, op- it's open source, verifiable, mathematic uh, system based on cryptography that's, you know, that's been proven to be secure. There's only 21 million ever created. Um, and there's, it's essentially, de- that's the whole point of decentralization. You don't have to trust any one person,
1: but Bitcoin still goes up and down based upon the perception of what its value is in the marketplace. I mean, it. I mean, uh, in the yeah, in it's the, just like know. gold. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's it's, yeah. it's, a, so it's a fluctuating another, that's it's an another asset. kind of risk. That's another kind of risk. It's not counterparty risk in it in its uh, traditional definition, but it is still a risk because the perception in the market can go make and Bitcoins had tremendous fluctuations in that, of course. You know, so. Yeah, no, definitely,
0: and and but it's if you look at over time, it's actually outperformed almost every other asset, um, and you know, and right. again, I'm just yeah. sort of replaying the things that is saying. I'm not saying that I believe him necessarily, or believe right. that he's going to be right, um, and yeah. I, I and I'm actually very. I like to come at this from a very skeptical viewpoint. Um, right. I'm someone who was very interested in the underlying technologies of cryptocurrency, yeah, not me too. really the idea blockchain. of making money. Blockchain. Yeah, 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 blockchain exactly. Yeah. Not not the idea of making money off of it. You know, um, now making money is great, but what's really innovative about it is the way that it's decentralized. It's the way that it digitizes money in mm-hmm. uh, in a sense where you don't have to trust a federal or, or any type of government. You don't have to trust yes. a government to use it. That's um, right and 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 it's what well, I think what you were pointing out is that it is very volatile where it is now the price of Bitcoin goes yes. up and down is very volatile but over time that could be smoothed out and uh, you yeah, know and actually I, if you, I, it's, it's very new yeah, so you
1: asked me your my, what did I, what did I think about this I, I, I basically I believe in the long term or the medium to long term uh, cryptocurrencies and and digital currency is going to become uh, a. The new model that that actually shifts the nature of value uh, shifts, the nature of how monetary systems work in the context of the world, because the fluctuations that happen because of governmental forces is increasingly something that people are rebelling against all the time. And I think it's just a natural evolution to be something now. And what I'm talking about is I'm not necessarily talking about the nature of how crypto has been up to this point. Uh, there's been a lot of you know nefarious scams. Obviously, yes. Uh, we you know frauds. Sam, Sam Bankman-Friedman, and all the you know. The, the, well, that, the, and, but
0: that wasn't even Bitcoin though. That was a centralized yeah, bank. Exactly. That essentially, exactly. But, he, he but it was connected. Bank
1: to, bank it was connected <laughs> to crypto though. It was connected to crypto though. The, the idea of crypto. I would. I didn't say Bitcoin specifically, but crypto in general. And but what went, of went wrong with it? But
0: what, I think it. But what, I think it's But what went wrong with FTX wasn't actually to do with cryptocurrency on itself. What went what wrong was that Sam Bankman Fried was literally lying to yes. people and created a centralized exchange similar to uh, similar to what we're talking about now, actually. And, and that's actually right. what Balaji is saying is that. It's Uncle Sam Bankman-Fried. That's the the term he's, he's using. Right, right, right. It's saying that the government is almost lying to themselves or creating, not lying to themselves so much as like creating these very complex systems where yes. they're saying, oh, we're all good, we're all good. But Balaji is saying that really, if you look at the data, and he has a lot of sources to point this out, that almost, you know, that many, the majority of banks in the United States are actually insolvent right now. Uh, Due to fractional reserve banking and what's happened with the bonds that were sold to them. And then subsequently being raised. And so what we might see, he's saying like this week, there's going to be runs on the bank. And he says within the next 90 days, it's going to be hyperinflation. He's predicting that Bitcoin will hit a million dollars because of hyperinflation, which seems crazy to me to to think about. Um, it, It seems very much, a lot of people are saying it's fear mongering. Yeah, yeah. That's very unlikely to happen. I'm not standing here saying, right. "Oh, this well, is exactly th- going to happen." But it, it, he's pointing out things that are real in the banking system.
1: Oh, definitely. Look, the banking system and the way Wall Street works and the nature of uh, there is so many games going on in that, uh, and I use that term in a very broad way because the whole thing is a game. I mean, it's you know, it's not like money has an actual you know it's not backed by gold anymore. It's not backed by something that has an actual value. I mean, you know, exactly. we've been off the gold yeah. standard since the 1970s. I mean, it's so there, there's a tremendous amount of perceptual games play that goes on. And that is the game of the financial system. And it's, it's become an extreme example of that. And we see how, you know, these very smart people that are playing this game can come along and create tremendous pain, disruption, and tragedy for a huge number of people. That's what happened in 2008. Um, you know, obviously it's happened in the past before that. But I think we are going into a very volatile time. And I hope that, you know, the blockchain as a technology, not, again, the nature of how crypto is necessarily rolled out in, in its initial phases, but, but it's maturing. As that matures, I have hope that there's something that will come out of that that could be even more stable. I do.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain and bitcoin without sounding like, you know, you're you're trying to sell something or you're trying to right, scam exactly. people because there's so many scams around this and there's so many fr- there's so much fraud around it and and I am way, not, I am not invested
1: me... by the way. I am not invested one dime in cryptocurrency. Uh, so, you know, well, if
0: Bology is right, then it, uh, you might want to very soon. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> but, I know. But if hyperinflation <laughs> happens, and then literally, you know, he says it could happen within days, like everything is going to shoot up prices. Yeah, that, and, that I, it I seems a little bit unlikely. over. That's unlikely.
1: That's unlikely. Yeah. I, I think I, whenever someone's talking about really extreme moves, they've usually got other agendas and other reasons why, or they have a bubble in their own mind. I mean, again, you know, if, if he's a billionaire, he lives a very different life. I mean, one thing that's very true uh, that yeah, came out point. of literature is uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald said, the rich are very different than you and me. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> especially the hyper-rich. They live in a bubble that's very unique. And of course, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of storytelling around that. Uh, there's actually, by the way, a great film called The Triangle of Sadness, which viewers the idea of that bubble. Um, for those of you that want to watch a Swedish film, that uh, by a very good director, um, Ruben Oslin, who's you know, it was it was actually nominated for an Academy Award uh, for Best Picture, and uh, it's it's an amazing, amazingly funny, dark satire uh, about the wealthy. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I got to check that out. Yeah, no, it's really funny. It's really funny. Woody Harrelson has a small part in it. Um, It's primarily not a bunch of movie stars, but he's the name in it. But uh, and it's it's one of the more interesting statements on this, this whole area that we're talking about right now that I've, that I've seen for a while.
0: And 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 I, and I don't know if Balaji is right or not. I don't know if the whole prediction and his thing in 90 days, who knows what's going to happen. We're going to see. I mean, it's three months will pass pretty quickly. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. Um, but it is, to me, pointing towards this idea of the digitization of everything. We're really pushing yeah. there the, you go. The, that the digital future is somehow the better future, Um, is yes. is this narrative. But it's also counteracted by the the dangers of this digital future. To your point, uh, you yeah. know, Bitcoin is very volatile, and and it's not even necessarily a good future where there's you know if, if hyperinflation really did happen, and now Bitcoin is is the is the global safe haven. That's not. That's actually. Could that could mean really bad things for the nature for lot, of our for, of our society. Oh yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you we know, don't necessarily want that.
1: Again, in the past, I've told cautionary tales about it because you know one of the things that when you say the digitization of everything, which I think is a good you know metaphor for the metaverse itself, but the digitization of everything, um, consciousness, as you said, uh, is now the thing that's being digitized in the context of of AI and and this 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 mythical. A GI that's trying to be created artificial general intelligence and so when you have the digitization of everything, including human consciousness. Again, what does it mean to be human what what are we are we transforming ourselves into bits and bytes, as opposed to atoms are we, you know, are we transforming ourselves out of a biologic uh, reality into a digital reality in general, Uh, these are the big questions and of course I actually. Dealt with some of those questions in some of my films 30 years ago. <laughs> so wow, yeah. it's, you know, if I, I look at it, it kind of, it's funny to me because I, you know, these, these questions are, and as it, there isn't much science fiction out there that, you know, it's, it's somewhat prescient on at least the questions that are going to be asked in culture. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny that this guy quoted the lawnmower man saying he has lawnmower man like power because that literally is about that that, Mark Zuckerberg does that Mark Zuckerberg has lawnmower man like power so in in a sense that this character the lawnmower man that I came up with is turned into Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) (laughs) the whole thing is incredibly funny to me on that level I mean it's just like wow uh, you couldn't make this stuff up but uh, you know so look I mean I, I think you know for me again it goes to what is the overarching story we are going to create as human beings around the digitization of everything. And I think that that's a good place for us to end this episode of What the F, the Metaverse. And uh, we're going to continue to ask that question and continue to dive into different aspects of it. Shannon, uh, it's great to talk with you. I I always learn many things with every, every discussion we have, whether it be on the podcast or not and uh as i like to say as my sign off i love you son
0: i love you too dad and special thanks to greg leonard for producing the theme music for what the f is the metaverse take
1: care